What I want to do is going to be a little sloppy. The, the, your hosts graciously accommodated, accommodated my desire to sneak in this lecture. They didn't really plan for this lecture originally. But I'm like, I want to talk about this. And they were very gracious and said, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll get it in there. Um, and so I'm going to just be going through some, some notes with you. Well, what I want to do is cast a vision of a, of a plurality of elders, what elder leadership in a church looks like. Uh, you have notes. I'm going to kind of follow those notes, kind of not. I'm going to jump around a little bit. Here's what I want you to do. Start by opening your Bibles <clears throat> to Acts chapter 14. I'm going to do a little bit of flipping right here at front, okay? A little bit of flipping right here at front. Trying to cast a vision for what a plurality of elders looks like. Acts chapter 14, verse 23 Paul and Barnabas going back to the churches they had planted on their first missionary trip. Verse 23 says, when they had appointed elders, S, in every church. Okay? Look at chapter 16, verse 4. As they traveled through the towns, they delivered the decision reached by the apostles and elders... S, elders at Jerusalem. Look at chapter 20. Flip over to chapter 20. Verse 17. Now from Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. Or down in verse 28. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock. This, this is, remember, this is, these are, this is just a church in Ephesus here, not multiple churches, one church. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among whom the Holy Spirit has appointed you as overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Uh, um, by the way, tangent, the word elder, overseer, from which we get bishop, the Greek word is episkopos, episcop, bishop, Elders, bishop, or pastor are, are interchangeable in, in the text. Those aren't different offices. They're different emphases, but, but it's the same office. You, you see that here. Verse 17 called for the elders of the church, and then 28, he says, um, appointed you as overseers, episcopoi, um, bishops, to shepherd. The word for shepherd is, is the verb form of, of pastor, to shepherd, the pastor. So those, those three words are interchangeable. Nonetheless, you, you, you see the pattern here of S's, plural. Look at chapter 21, verse 18. 21, 18. The following day, Paul went in with him to James, with us to James, and all the elders, S, were present. Look at Titus. Flip over to Titus a few books later from Acts. Titus chapter 1, verse 5. Paul says, the reason I left you in Crete was to set right what was left undone, and I directed you to point elders in every town. One more example, flip over to James, Titus, Philemon, Hebrews, James, chapter 5, verse 14. 
Is anyone among you sick? He should call the elders of the church. So again and again, in fact, every single time an example of elders are mentioned in the New Testament, it's, it's in the yes, it's in the plural. Now, it's not commanded you must have a plurality of elders. That's not commanded. I mean, you might inherit a church after all and be the only pastor, and, and there aren't other elders. So you're not like disobeying as such. You're not sinning if, 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 if there's just one pastor or just one elder. But, but clearly the pattern here, every time, is a plurality of elders. You see it in the singular in a couple of places, such as 1 Timothy 3, where it says an elder must be, just describing the characteristics of an elder. But anytime you're talking about actual people in the New Testament in these churches, there's always a number of them. And if you look at 1 Peter 5, no, I'm sorry, uh, 1 Timothy 5, 1 Timothy 5, <clears throat> 17, verse 17, 1 Timothy 5, verse 17. The elders who are good leaders should be considered worthy of an ample honorarium, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, you must not muzzle an ox that is threshing grain, and the labor is worthy of his wages. In, in other words, you, you have... Uh, an elder who works hard is worthy of an honor should be paid, especially that those whose, whose work is preaching and teaching. So you, you almost have, have, have some who are paid and, and some who are unpaid, right? Uh, and that's what many churches throughout history have done. That's what my own church does. We, we have about 1,000 members in my church, okay? About 1,000 of us who, who call ourselves members of Capitol Hill Baptist. There's about 30 elders. Five or six of them are paid, I'm not. I'm an elder. I'm not paid. I'm paid by Nine Marks. I work for a ministry called Nine Marks. I'm not paid by Capitol Hill Baptist Church. I'm what you might call a lay elder or a non-staff elder, right? So we have staff elders and non-staff elders, paid, unpaid. We have a plurality of them. We have 30 of them to shepherd the 1,000 people. And I just, I just want to briefly think with you about that vision. <clears throat> I understand your churches might be coming from different denominations, and different patterns. Nonetheless, I want, to, I want to commend this biblical model to you of having a number of shepherds working together, some of whom might be paid, maybe just one of whom is unpaid, but also a number of whom are unpaid to shepherd the flock of God. Um, think through that with me in several sections, and you, you see this in your outline. What, what, what do elders do? Well, we see a ministry of gathering and protecting. You see that in your handout. We see a, a ministry of teaching and a ministry of entrusting. Let's just think about each of those. This first one, this ministry of gathering and protecting is one that often gets overlooked, but it very much goes at the heart of what an, a shepherd does. What do shepherds do? They, they shepherd, gather, protect lay down their lives for sheep. In fact, this was the very problem in the Old Testament. If you go back and you read the prophets, again and again, the shepherds of Israel failed to care for and gather the sheep. A, a passage like Jeremiah 50, verse 6, God says, my people have become lost sheep. Their shepherds, their pastors, 
have led them astray. They have, been made, they, they have made them turn aside on the mountains. They have gone along from mountains to hill and have forgotten their resting place. Or I think of Jeremiah 23. Woe to the shepherds who are def- destroying and scattering the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord, because, because you have scattered my flock and driven them away and have not bestowed care on them. I will bestow punishment on you. For the evil you have done, declares the Lord. I myself will gather the remnant of my flock. I will place shepherds over them who will tend them. And they will no longer be afraid or terrified, nor will any be missing. And sure enough, the good shepherd comes whose voice the sheep hear and follow. And he gathers them to himself. But not only that, he protects them. He knows them each by name. If one strays from the 99, he goes after the one. And he tells the father, I have not lost any of the sheep you have given me. Uh, What is the job of an elder or a pastor, paid or unpaid in a church? Well, it's to be an under-shepherd of the over-shepherd, the good shepherd. Listen to Paul again in Acts 20. He says, keep watch. He's speaking to the elders. Of Ephesus, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God. All the flock, boys, keep track of them. Or 1 Peter 5. 1 Peter 5, verses 2 to 4. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, bishops, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be. Not greedy for money, but eager to serve. Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. What what does this mean, uh, any of you here this morning who are shepherds, who are elders, or who, I hope many of you, aspire to be shepherds or elders? Well, it means you will give an account to God for every sheep placed under your care. Oh, that's pretty heavy. Hebrews 13, 17, obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Oh, a thousand members of Capitol Hill Baptist Church and me and the other 30 elders will give an account for those dear, sweet, wonderful, sometimes biting sheep. What does that mean very practically? Does that mean I, Jonathan Lehman, can name all 1,000 of them and give an account for their souls? No, but I work to know as many as I can. I, I can probably name a couple hundred of them. I can probably give you a, a spiritual summary of, of maybe 50 of them or so. I can tell you how they're doing. Uh, I, I work and pray for as many of them as I can, but God knows how much time I have in the day. God knows I have another job. Nonetheless, insofar as he gives me time and life and opportunity, certainly I prioritize my wife and my children, but I also work to care for those sheep. And the 30 of us together work to give an account for all the flock. What does that mean? Well, that means several things. First of all, 
the most important thing we do in our elder meetings together is we go name by name through the church directory. Not every, not all a thousand, not every meal. We go about 30 to 50 names in every elder meetings. Uh, just literally face, but we have, we, have, we have their names and their pictures, and we just kind of go name by name, face by face. Hey, how is, how is John Anderson doing? Anybody know? Oh, well, John's doing fine. He's in so-and-so's Bible study. Uh, he seems to be growing in the Lord. Okay, how about his wife, Lucy Anderson? How is she doing? Oh, she's doing fantastic. Okay, how about, <clears throat> how about uh, uh, John Barker? How, how, how's, how's he doing? Anyone? Has anyone seen John Barker? No one? Who knows him? Well, I know him, but I haven't seen him in months. Uh, does somebody want to call him? Someone to see how he's doing? And we have these kinds of conversations going name by name, face through face, just trying to get a sense, making sure everybody's okay, right? And they're in the flock and being nurtured. Now, we, we can't do all of that in their life discipling work, but we're making sure they're inside the sheep pen. The main disciples in the church, in fact, are, are the church. It's the body. It's the body builds itself up in life. Think, think, think Ephesians 4. So as, as the body builds itself up. They're, they're in many ways the main disciples of each other, but we, we do have an oversight role to make sure they are there. And if somebody isn't there, okay, well, who can call Bob and make sure he's, he's doing okay or she's doing okay? So we go about through 30 to 50 names, and then we go back and we pray through each name. That's the most important thing we do as elders. And obviously the guys who do this full-time, the paid pastors, usually know a few more, and those of us who aren't paid to do this full-time because we have other jobs, whether teacher, lawyer, doctor, whatever, know a few less names, but all of us are working together to gather and protect the flock. My goodness, can you imagine trying to pastor a thousand people? Five hundred people. A hundred people. 30 people all by yourself. Oh, Lord, please give us more hands for the harvest, right? And, and the reason you have a plurality, there's a number of reasons you have a plurality of elders exampled in the New Testament. It means, first and foremost, for the senior pastor, the lead pastor, the one pastor, one of your jobs, pastor, is to raise up more of you. It builds discipleship into the very structures of the church. Does that make sense? So my job isn't just to be here and, hey, I'm the wise one. I'm going to open the word of God to you this Sunday. Listen to me. I'm awesome. No, I'm, I, I'm looking to reduplicate myself and, and raise up other versions of me, other godly men who can also minister and shepherd, right? That's, that's one of my jobs over time. That may take a while, a year, two years, five years, ten years, but, but that's something your pastors should constantly be working to do is to raise up other faithful godly men who will shepherd the flock um, why else do you want a plurality of elders? Oh, goodness. Some of the situations we get are so hard. A marriage and divorce and remarriage questions and membership and discipline questions. Oh, I sit there so often in these elder meetings and I think to myself, I have no idea, not a clue what to do in this situation. And I'm so grateful there's other godly men there with me uh, thinking together on these matters. There's a wisdom in mo a multitude of counselors, Proverbs says. So do, do you want your church to be wisely shepherded? Don't leave it on the shoulders of one man, right? Get, get, get several of them, right? 
Plus, we're all prone to err. I make mistakes. The other elders make mistakes. And when you have a multitude of men there helping each other, it's just better for everybody, right? No, name your you know, favorite pastor out there. He's going to make mistakes. He's going to sin. And you want other brothers around him correcting, encouraging, helping him, shepherding each other. Who shepherds the shepherds? Shepherds need shepherding. So we want a plurality of elders. So, so the first thing we do is, is we gather and protect the flock. The second thing worth paying attention to, what does an elder do? Whether paid or unpaid, it's, it's the ministry of the word. Um, think Acts 6. Look at Acts 6 with me <clears throat> briefly. In those days, verse 1, Acts 6, verse 1, in those days when the number of disciples was increasing, in fact, we know there's at least 10,000, 5,000 men, maybe what, 10,000 people as a whole, so talk about increasing. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Grecian Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews. Where does Satan love to sow division in a church? Along ethnic lines. Hebrew-speaking the Greek speaking, complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So in a church this size, there's growing administrative complexity, right? And conflict begins to ensue, and uh, suddenly we got factions going on. Uh, and as I said, along ethnic lines, well, then verse 2, so the 12 gathered all the disciples together. That's a that's a big crowd, and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. The word there for wait is deacon, in order to deacon, serve tables. Brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and we'll give attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. It's interesting, isn't it? Facing this sudden administrative, well, administrative problem, division in the church problem, like divided Christian problem, widows being neglected in food problem. That's a big problem, you know? People not eating, huge problems. They don't immediately say, hey, we're going to fix this. Rather, they, 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 they delegate, they, they, they turn it over. Why? It would not be right to neglect the ministry of the word and prayer. It's not that these aren't big problems. They are big problems, but we as, we as apostles in this instance, but we could say elders as well, know where to give ourselves over to the ministry of the word and prayer. Verses 5 and 6, we see the congregation is pleased with the proposal. And they, they choose several men whom, whom the apostles affirm. And then look at the result all of this in verse 7. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests came obedient to the faith. So what should elders do? Elders are gathering and protecting. Elders are the sheep, and they're also protecting their own ability to focus on preaching, teaching, counseling, discipling through the word. How many of you have heard of John MacArthur? Raise your hand. Okay, here we are on the other side of the planet, and you've heard of him. 
The man has had a fruitful ministry. You might not all like him, but let's just agree he's had a fruitful ministry, okay? He, he, he has a radio program. He, he has a seminary. He has over 50 books published. I was in, I'm in Venezuela. I see his books. I'm in Brazil. I see his books. I'm in Africa. I see his books, right? I assume if I looked around, I'd, I'd find him in some of your homes, perhaps, or maybe bookstores here. The man has had a fruitful ministry. How can you do so much, John MacArthur? That is amazing. How do you run a seminary and a radio program and publish all of these books? What, what do you do? That's incredible. How does one man do so much? Well, my pastor was doing an interview with him and asked him that question. How do you do that? And preach twice a week, Sunday morning, Sunday night, to, to a mega, over 3,000, 4, 5,000 church. How, how do you do that? And he, MacArthur's reply indicated that he shared the apostles' faith in the ministry of the word. He, he said... Um, Every single time, MacArthur replied, people would come to him and say, hey, let's do a ministry, pro a radio program. And you know what he would say? Fine, if you want to do it. <laughs> and they'd say, hey, let's do a seminary. Fine, if you want to do it. Hey, let's turn those sermons of yours into books. Okay, sounds great, if you'll do it. He gives himself to preparing sermons and preaching sermons. And so Mark's like, what, what's, your, what's your weekly schedule like? He said, well, on, on Mondays, I have meetings. I have, I have staff meetings, meetings both at the, um, the church, and then I go over to the seminary in the afternoon, and I do my administrative meetings on, on Mondays. Tuesdays and Wednesdays, I devote completely to preparing Sunday morning sermons. Thursdays and Fridays, I devote completely to Sunday night sermons. Saturday, I golf. That's how he has done so much. <laughs> he knows he's got his priorities straight. And he's been able to say, nope, not going to do that. Nope, not going to do that. Nope, not going to do that. And just give himself over to the ministry of the word. Now, okay, now he's the senior pastor. And I understand most of us are not going to be in that position. But I do want you to sell, I do want you to value that and whoever is the main preacher in your church. I do want you to work as members of churches to, to protect your preacher's schedule, or the preacher's plural, however many people you have doing it. I, I want you to put yourself in a church where those teaching, feeding, have that kind of faith, those kinds of priorities in their ministries. I gotta spend time this week. I'm sorry, I, I can't do that visitation. But pastor, you need to be the one to come see me in the hospital. No, no, we, look, we have, we, have, we have a bunch of other people. Who can come. There's nothing special about me. I don't need to be the one to come visit you in the hospital. I gotta prepare the sermon for the whole flock. Now, I'll, can if I can, I'll come if I can. Do you see, we, we all want a piece of the pastor, but if we all try to get a piece of the pastor all week, he's not able to prepare good sermons that feed all of us. Okay? So ministry of the word for, for the, the main person preaching, ministry of the word for the rest of your elders, that is the main thing we are going to be doing. And then the last thing I'm going to say, and then I'm not going to get into deacons, I'm not going to get into the congregation you see there in your, in your handout. The last thing I want to talk about is, is ministry of equipping. What do elders do? As I said, they equip us. So in the same way your, your lead first solo pastor should be building others up, the rest of the elders should be building others up and equipping others to do that. Turn to Turn to 2 Timothy 
chapter 2, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. What you've heard from me, Timothy, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. I trust you guys pray for your kids. Do you pray for your grandkids, your kids' kids, your grandkids? Do you pray for your great-grandkids, your kids, kids, kids? That's what Paul's doing. Okay, first-generation Paul. Paul, Timothy, what you've heard from me, one generation, kid, entrust to other faithful men, grandkids, who will be able to teach others also. Great grandkids. Paul is thinking three generations down the line, isn't he? Not amazing. He's not greedy to keep all the ministry to himself. He wants to pass it out. And if you would be an elder, you are not a ministry hoarder. You are a ministry giver. You are a delegator, right? You want to see others built up continually. So, so how do we do that? Well, some practical ways we do that, for instance, is we spend the first 30 minutes of every single elder meeting asking the question, who else do you see eldering? Who else should we maybe nominate as an elder for the church to affirm? And putting that in the first 30 minutes of every single meeting, we meet twice a month for most of the year, once a month in the summer, reminds us one of our jobs is to work ourselves out of a job and to be giving away our job, all right? And that means we're always discipling others and trying to raise others up and always scanning the congregation, okay? Who, who are the people that others are kind of going to? We're not looking to make elders. We're looking to affirm elders. We're looking for the people who are already eldering, right? Already teaching, already gathering, already protecting the people who Christians know, oh, if I go to him, I'm, I'm going to be led rightly. We're looking for those men in the church trying to, to affirm them and raise them up, okay? That's one of the main things we we do. Okay, so we're trying. How do we do this practically? We, we, we spend 30 minutes in every meeting. How do we also do this? Uh, in, in every other area of the church's life, we're looking to reduplicate ourselves. We're looking to make disciples and reduplicate ourselves. So every Sunday school class has a senior teacher and a junior teacher. And our Sunday school classes all last 13 weeks. And if I'm the senior teacher, I'm going to think, oh, God, who's, who's somebody who knows this topic well? and who I think is ready to teach. And I'll find a junior teacher, and then in those 13 weeks, he and I will sit down beforehand, and we'll plan out the Sunday school, and we'll think it through, and I'll think, okay, what one, two, three classes can I give to him? And we'll make sure our schedules work together, and I'll give him a couple of classes, and then he'll sit in with me as I teach, and we'll review it, and then I'll sit in with him when he teaches, and I'll give him feedback, both encouraging and constructive criticism feedback. And let's suppose he does a great job in the two times of 13 weeks he teaches. Well, the next time we teach it, I'll give him four classes or five classes. Or eventually I'll say, hey, I'm going to go teach something else now. You're the senior teacher. So I'm trying to raise up other teachers. You do this in children's ministry, same sort of thing. We do this with, with, de with our deacons. We, we tell our deacons who, whose terms are three years, we say, one of your jobs as a deacon is to find your replacement. 
when you step down and to be helping, getting people to help you. So throughout the life of the church, we're looking to equip others and reduplicate ourselves. And that helps the plurality of elders. That helps the whole discipling process. Let's listen to this from Ephesians 4. It is he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to equip God's people for the work of ministry. Who does the ministry in the church? The church. The church does the ministry in the church. Who equips the church to do the ministry in the church? Well, the elders, the pastors. We're equipping them to build themselves up in the faith. Friends, again, I, I recognize that uh, many of us, there are so many things we, we could talk about here. Um, other advantages to a plurality of elders. Okay, with deacons, what's the relationship between elders and deacons? How do we understand that? What if, what if I'm not at a place where um, I see other men in the church who are ready to elder? What should I do then? How do I transition to that? Lots of practical questions. If it would be useful to you, we could, we could raise in a Q&A time. Nonetheless, I just thought to myself, okay, what are some of the key components of a healthy church? Well, we, last night we thought about by preaching God's word, Right? Think about membership just now. A little later, we'll think about discipline. But another huge element in a healthy church are elders who elder, shepherds who shepherd. And, and the more you have, very often, the better. And I want to plant that vision in your hearts as, as God enables you to move in that direction. Let's, let's pray. And then I'm not sure what's next, but I'm sure I'll be told. Let's pray. Father God, we pray, we thank you for the gifts of elders that you give, pastors that you give to the church. Lord, we thank you for the pastor or pastors we all have in our churches now. And if you are willing, Lord, give us more. We're greedy for more, good greedy for more, gifts from you to shepherd the flock. Lord, for the men in the room who, who aspire to be elders, we, we know you tell us in, in 1 Timothy 3 that he who desires to be an elder desires what is good. I pray Every man in this room right now would say, okay, what's the, what's the difference between me and an elder? Why am I not an elder? Why do I not aspire to being an elder? To serve the flock. And I pray that you would put this ambition on, on, on the hearts of some of the men in here and the desire. I pray that you would make them qualified as Paul describes those qualifications in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1. I pray that you would make them qualified, help them to be men who are above reproach, and I pray that you would grant, we pray that you would grant more elders to our churches to shepherd the flock. In Christ's name, amen.